Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. It is really wonderful to see all of you here today. I'm super grateful to be here. Um, Harvest Valley Worship Center, we're a refuge for healing. We're a launch pad for transformation. So um, everything that we do here is hopefully to create a, an environment where you can encounter the Lord. And one of the big pushes that we have for this year is that we are going to be seeking as a community a daily encounter with God. We need daily encounters with God, not just with some words on a page, but with the Spirit of God that speaks through the Word on the page. Amen? I believe very strongly that the season that we're going into, probably as a nation, perhaps just as the church, we are going to need to be fully dependent on the power of God moment by moment in order to see God do what He wants to do. He left you here with purpose, not just to get by, not just to squeak through, even though that many of us believe that that's all we can do. And yet God has a different plan and a different path and a different purpose for us. And I'm hopefully, I want to be able to provide today a roadmap for God's love, grace, and healing come to this amazing, amazing region that we live in. I mean, I love this place. This is an amazing place to live. It's expensive, but it's an amazing place to live, right? Like, hello. Uh, it is, it is a, little, it's a little, little pricey. I believe that as the people of God, we are called to actively participate in God's solutions to the problems that are happening around us. Today, the message is experiencing resurrection power, how to bring heaven's solutions to today's problems, how to bring heaven's solutions to today's problems. And most of us, I think we've, we've learned or we believe that change in our life and change around us, um, maybe you could do something with that EQ because I feel a little warbly in certain spots. Maybe my low end, turn that down a little bit. Thank you. Most of us think that change will come through perhaps a political agenda or a church program or by building strong families or uh, in getting involved in the systems of our world around us and see things change. And listen, let me tell you, all those things are necessary, less low end. <laughs> He did it for me. That was cool. See, you heard it. My lips weren't even moving. Pretty awesome. <laughs> That's probably good. Hallelujah. Um, all of those are necessary, right? All of those things are necessary. I'm not saying they're not. We need strong families. We need to be involved in every part of this world. And yet when Jesus left, he gave us a plan on how he wanted those things to happen. He rose from the grave to empower us and to give us solutions to the world's problems. 
And if it's okay, I'd like to start at the very beginning at how we got here, right? Because we got here uh, in this place where God starts off and he creates the world. And it says that, you know, he made it perfectly for mankind. He made it for us. And in that place, he made it so that we could live eternally with him on this planet. That's wacky, if you think about it. Adam and Eve are set in the garden, and they break their part of the deal to follow God's directions. They didn't trust God, the most trustworthy one, as Dennis mentioned earlier. They did not trust God, and they introduced death, brokenness, fear, shame, and suffering to the world. And we're all living under that. We all have to deal with these effects of sin um, and that falling short of his goodness and his glory. We have to deal with the effects of that all the time. From that moment on, in fact, they would say it was he established his plan before creating the earth. But let's just say that from that moment on, God began to reveal in his perfect timing a way for all of humanity, for every single person to come to him reestablishing his original design for humanity, to be his image bearers, to be made in his image, to live in his image, to be holy, to live in communion with God, to abide with God, to live ultimately residing with God. And ever since sin entered, God was making a way for restoration. Ever since sin entered, God was making a way for restoration. See, earth, we have a problem. <laughs> we have a problem. And God has been working since the very foundation, since the very beginning, to bring restoration. Now, let me tell you, many followers of, of Jesus will tell you and that they believe that it is only in heaven that we will see the restoration. Interestingly, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say that the restoration of mankind was someday off in the distance. In fact, he lived and modeled for his disciples what it meant to be a son of God, what it meant to abide with God right here and right now. In fact, Jesus preached in Matthew 4, 17. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. See, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's Luke 19.10. That's why he came, to seek and save that which was lost. So what was lost? Well, the whole thing. The whole thing. Garden. Intimacy that they had. The different system, like, let, let's, just, let's just look at this. So God plants Adam and Eve in the garden, and then in the garden, he says, I'm going to teach you how to go and reap. I'm going to teach you how to provide for yourself, and then ultimately, as you grow, as you have offspring, you're going to want to trade some things. You're going to want to have an economy, right? So I'm going to teach you how to cultivate the ground in order to do that. So the garden actually represents an economic system, Okay. So what's really interesting about this is that during the curse in Genesis 3 after the fall, he says, listen, by, you will, you'll earn your bread. 
Man, this thing is cutting out a lot. You'll earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. See, God actually intended the economy to be simple and easy. Part of the curse is labor. That you're going to have to fight for your bread. That's part of the curse. You know what else is interesting is that instead of just getting the crop that you sow, you're going to also get thorns and thistles. That's frustrating. Like, I plant grain, I want grain. No, God, sorry, part of the curse is that you're going to have thorns and thistles as part of your grain too. See, it all was lost. I think also like marital relationships are hard and that was part of the curse too. Like it was made to be smooth and easy and, and actually there's nowhere prior to the fall where the man was supposed to be above the woman. It's not there. So when we talk about what does a marriage look like when it's redeemed and in Christ, there is a mutual submission and equality, even though you play different roles. We get that. But there's actually a, a mutual equality and a mutual submission where, listen, this is how it goes in my house. If it doesn't work for her, it doesn't work for me. If it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for her. We both hold a trump card. We both hold one. There's no 51% scripture. It ain't there. Just saying, listen, all of this came out of the fall, the struggle, the battle, the fight for dominance, the fight to have power and to have control, and all of that came out of the fall. It was not intended for us. And in fact, Jesus came so that we could be outside of that system. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bless his name. All right. See everything. And since Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, a few things needed to take place in order for the finding and the saving to happen. A few things had to happen. So first, let me just explain this because it can be a little confusing for people. God is a just God. The pain and evil that came into the world by the fall, it had to be judged because it is not his. With that, a price had to be paid in order for those things that were broken to be made right before God. Before Jesus, the price of sin was paid by every person in their flesh. And then at some point, God said, you can sacrifice an animal. Instead of it being on you, I'll put it on a substitution. I know it sounds ancient <laughs> to think of that concept of killing an animal for my sin, right? It feels like that's kind of barbaric. And yet, the Lord told Adam and Eve, the minute that you eat of the, knowledge of, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you surely will die. And so when they ate, instead of allowing them to die on the spot because he loved them and he had mercy for them, he said, I want to make sure that there's a way for you to be back in right alignment with me. And in fact, it was God who showed up with the first covering of their nakedness with an animal skin, which means at some point God sacrificed an animal on behalf of Adam and Eve to cover their sin. And to cover them from the very beginning. 
To this day, those that do not know Jesus are paying the price for their own sins. And in fact, the scripture says that they are abiding in darkness. If you don't know Jesus, it says that you're abiding in darkness because the consequences of sin have not yet been taken from A loving and merciful God, he made a way for all of mankind to have the consequences of sin removed from them. He made a way for the consequences to be removed from them. God sent Jesus to be a substitute for us, to pay the price on our behalf. And before, if the substitute was an animal, like you would have a moment where you could be right. And then the minute you got it wrong again, you'd have to sacrifice again. But with Jesus, he paid the price fully and completely for all of our sins, past, present, and future in one shot. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay? John, um, John 12, 46 through 47 says this. Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but save the world. Goes on to say, listen, you're already judged because you're already born into this condition of sin. You're already judged. I didn't come to judge. I came to save. Does that make sense? Jesus is heaven's solutions for today's problems. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus left his followers here with a purpose. To solve the problems of this world. That sounds big, but I'm just telling you, that's why you're here. Of course, I know lots of Christians that don't solve the world's problems, much less their own. (laughs) Right? So this isn't a guarantee that like, oh, now that I'm a Christian, I can solve all the problems in the world. That's not what I'm saying. I am of the camp, though, that believes that we should be partnering with the power of God to solve the world's problems. And some of the problems that we have to deal with today are, it's pretty amazing. And, and I, like I tell Mika, sometimes we're like kind of blown away by a new situation. I'm like, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. This has happened in previous generations. This has happened in previous nations. Like we've seen these crazy things happening. But I'm just, I just sat down. I said, oh, well, I wonder if I could make a decent list of the world's problems. It went a while. Uh, But I'll give you a brief little sample here. Uh, Drug addiction, sexual abuse, domestic violence, alcoholism, pornography, child predators, corporate grooming, human trafficking, suicide, gender and sexual confusion, relativism, government corruption, laziness, victimhood mindset, spiritual abuse, political spirit of judgment, hopelessness, fear, dread, terror, shame, self-hatred, greed, selfishness, and pride. That's a start. You know what these are? These are loss. All of these are considered loss. They're loss. What was lost? Purity, freedom, right thinking, 
Like, Lord, help us. Right thinking. God's justice was lost. Like, we, we, we don't see that at play in the world. We see a different form of justice being played out. Courage, hope, humility, strength. We can go on. All of that was lost. And let me just tell you this. All that was lost can be found. All that was lost can be found. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he took all of the punishment, the judgment of God for all of the sin of the world, the pain, the disease, the suffering, the abuses, all the awful impacts, that big list that I just gave you. It was God the Father empowering God the Son who was fully man to pay the price for all the sin of mankind. So those who would believe would receive eternal life, no longer be separated from God, but come and be with him. John 1, 12, 3, uh, 1, 12 through 13 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, but who, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of but of God. It was God's will that you would be born of the Spirit. And we know that John 3:16, a classic verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, Jesus didn't just die for our sins. And praise God, he died for our sins. But he came for the whole enchilada. He came for all of it, not just for the brokenness of my sin. That's the start of my process with God. The start is that he came to deal with my sin and to make me right. And now he's in the process of making all things new. He's in the process of redeeming and restoring all of the things. Because of his sinless life as a man, Jesus was given power over death and he rose from the grave. And this is what we celebrate today. Resur restoration is the fruit of resurrection. Jesus' resurrection from the dead made a way for actual restoration to happen. If, it, if he had just died, great. Thank you, Jesus. But because he defeated death and he defeated the power of sin, now everything can be restored. You can tell I am not a five-point tulip Calvinist. Just saying, I'm not. I do not believe that the atonement of Jesus is limited. Okay, that's the L in the tulip, the five points of Calvinism, right, maiden points. The L says limited atonement. I, I don't believe that it's limited to just a chosen few people. And I also, because it's God's will that none should, be, none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is God schizophrenic? Does he not, like, does he talk out of both sides of his mouth at the same time? No, he doesn't. God's atonement is not limited. It can extend to every single area of your life that you need atonement for. For every sin that you've ever committed, he is here to make it right for you. For every area of this world where brokenness is ruling and reigning, he sent us to establish his kingdom in that place. 
It is not limited. Hallelujah. Let me just say this. Notably, the resurrection is the most proven event in world history. You go, well, I never heard that. Well, of course you didn't, because that would require accountability. Because it's true. From eyewitness testimony to if you're going to take a historical perspective on an event that happened in history, there is no single event more proven to have happened than the resurrection of Jesus. There is more proof about the resurrection of Jesus than any other event in ancient history. I'm not here to go into but if you want some resources, come get me. If you want to find proof, you will. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus did something that no other religion can claim, that no other belief system can satisfy. It removed the separation from God. God is no longer distant from us. He is right here with us. He is in the room. There is a complete forgiveness for every sin, every failure, every miss. There is complete forgiveness. Not partial, complete forgiveness for you. Not only is there forgiveness, but he gives you the power to overcome sin. The desire to do bad, he gives you the ability to overcome that. He gives you the power to live a full life with joy and peace. He also gave us access to know him intimately, to know him again. He gave back the ability to live with God. The cross and the resurrection allowed for all things to be restored. And here's the best part. You did nothing to earn it. Deserve it. It's a free gift. And it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your... Now, I got to use a different microphone. Sorry. Just one? Uh, the one I got in my hand. Hello. All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Um, it doesn't matter like how perfect you try to be, it doesn't earn you more favor with God. The more you try to get it right, it doesn't make you a better believer. Now, we do right things because he's made us righteous. I do good because he's good and he's doing a thing in me. Like I stop sinning, not because sometimes, not because I don't enjoy it. I mean, I struggled for years with alcohol because I liked it. I don't do it because I want to honor the Lord because he's changed my heart. He's changed my mind. See, he's a really good God, and because he's good, I choose to surrender who I am and surrender my will to his. But that doesn't get me brownie points. In the kingdom. I'm already in it. I don't have to earn it. I'm here. We're here. 
We learn to live from that place. Amen? Resurrection power is a free gift to all who believe. Resurrection power is a free gift to all who believe. And this is knowing that God's power in our lives, it is a free gift. It causes us to overflow with gratitude and to walk with God to do His will in our lives. It causes us to walk with God and to do His will in our lives. So, my last point here today, Jesus gave us authority to solve the problem with Him. He gave us authority to solve the problems of this world with Him. See, Jesus lived, modeled, trained, and taught His disciples, and before He died, He gave them what we call the Great Commission, right? Like, here, there's some things that you should be doing while I'm gone, because I'm coming back someday, so while I'm gone, I want you to do some things. This became a focal point for all disciples of Jesus for all time. The focal point. What are we supposed to do? This is the focal point. All believers, all time. This is what we are to be doing. Okay? Now, there's two main places that list the Great Commission, and they're actually different commissions. But we call them, but they're worded very differently. They just are, are different. So the first one I want to look at is Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel. This means speak out the word of God, the good news of Jesus to everything that moves. Say it. Say it to every creature. Okay? This is what um, we call the individual mandate of the Great Commission. Right? This is, I'm going to preach each person. Right? I want to make sure every single person hears the gospel. Right? So this is, this is extremely important. And listen, this is where the church generally is pretty good. Like, I'm going to tell you the good news of Jesus. I'm going to tell you about it. Right? Okay. Listen, this is beautiful to have this individual mandate. And it is so important because we know that Jesus came for every single person that is in this room today. You've heard the good news this morning. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. In every area of your life that has been lost, God wants to restore something back to you that was lost. The area of your life where you feel deep shame, God wants to restore you out of that shame and give you glory. In fact, the Bible says that he'll take your shame and give you double honor. But that comes through the work of Jesus. So, he came to rescue you. He came to give you a future and a hope. He came to give you his peace in your life. But the second commission is just worded a little differently. And this is the one in Matthew 28, 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? And this is what we call the corporate mandate. Preach the, preach the gospel to every creature, individuals, right? But here, disciple the nations, that's a corporate mandate. It's a bigger thing. 
And notice it doesn't say make disciples in all the nations. It makes disciples of the nations. Of all the nations. And the Greek word for nations here is ethna. And it, people separated by a tribe. People separated by language. People that are separated by territory and by culture. Right? These different ethnic groups. That's where we would get the word ethnic or ethnicity from. These different groups that are separated for different reasons. He says, make disciples of those groups of people. It's about what makes a people a people. The idea of a nation, it involves commerce. It involves government. It involves education. It involves media, faith, and family, right? All of these structures that are unique to this nation. And let me tell you, you are camp, camped out, sent, and and living in your ethna. This little region here of North Idaho is yours. Even though we come from all different backgrounds, some of us moved from California, some of us some of us moved from Oregon or Washington. Some of us moved from Montana or Wyoming, you know, wherever you're from, right? The reality is that you're here because God has called you to disciple this region. Jesus is telling us to disciple this nation. I just to be clear, disciple a nation doesn't mean rule the nation. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say rule the nation. What it says is teach it, train it, and mentor it in the ways of God. There's a really cool teaching on how to baptize a nation. You immerse it in the ways of God. You want to baptize media, immerse it in truth. And hope. Because truth and hope is the opposite of what the media gives you. Fear and deception is a demonic stronghold over media. We see it, right? You want to disciple education? You have to remove humanism. You got to remove humanism. Thank you, sweetie. You have to remove humanism. Because humanism is the demonic stronghold over the education system that says that, that the ways of man and the thoughts of man are greater than the ways and the thoughts of God. Right? So there's these ways that we can actually disciple nations that we are called into. I love that the corporate mandate to disciple the nations was actually preceded by a statement. It says, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore. Jesus says, listen, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. God empowers us as a direct result of the cross and the resurrection because he rose from the dead. He has all the power over the enemy and all authority in the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. He has all authority. And then he tells you to go. Go. 
make disciples of all the nations. Remember that list of problems I talked about earlier? Listen, Jesus came to see each one of those areas made right, healed, and restored. Here's the thing. It starts individually in you. That you be restored to God. Where you experience his love, his freedom, and his power, and then we carry that to others. We carry it to the areas of this world that are lost and broken. Um, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they say, well, you're this and you're that. And Peter, you know, which is Peter's job is to just blurt things out. And so he says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He goes, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by man. This was revealed to you by my father. And on this rock, on the revelation that I am the Christ, on this rock, on this foundational truth, I am going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my ecclesia. This is beautiful because gates aren't offensive. They don't attack you. Gates can't attack you. The gates won't prevail because we will establish the kingdom of heaven where the kingdom of darkness has been entrenched. We get to go where the darkness is and bring light. Because he's risen from the dead, we get to be transformed and we get to say, okay, Lord, where is it dark that you're calling me to go? And then we run up to the gate, kick it down, and we walk through the door. That's what we do. The devil has been defeated. He lost all power and authority over this world. Now, Jesus has given us, given the authority to all who believe, right? He's given us peace, right? He's reconciled us to himself. Remember this, Colossians 1, 19 through 20. It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things. Say all things. By Jesus to reconcile all all things to himself, whether they were things on earth where we live or in heaven, both. So we can't go, well, Jesus only came to reconcile for the future someday, someday way off yonder, you know, when the chariot comes. No, whether in heaven or on earth. This is beautiful. He's made peace through the blood of his cross. He took away the power of the enemy in our lives, right? Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says this. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That, what that statement means is that that part of you that wants to do evil has not been cut yet. <laughs> See, when, you're, when your heart that wants to do evil is given to the Lord, it is cut, it is made holy, it is consecrated, it is sanctified. That's what the circumcision of the flesh means, okay? So, you were dead in the, uncirc- in the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has, made, uh, he has made alive together with him, 
having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to our teachings, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. He made a public spectacle of all of the power of the devil at the resurrection. And that's what we get to live in. Lastly, he empowers us to bring his love and healing to the world around us. We know 2 Corinthians 5.17 well. Most Christians know that one fairly well. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Therefore, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Amen, hallelujah. I am glad to be a new creation. Because I have to come, you know what's funny about being a new creation? Having all things new? I have to remind myself of that all the time. And I got to come back to the Father and say, listen, that felt really old. That felt like an old thing. I don't like that thing. I'm coming back to you because I want to live in your newness. Amen? Come on, we all fight in this battle. Come on, don't look at me like I'm the only one. We all have things that come up. Listen, you're a new creation in Christ. That doesn't mean that you, you don't have a memory. As you live in Jesus, as you walk that out, those things shift. And there comes a point where you're not even worried about that old man. You're not even thinking about it. Because you're in Christ. Come on, this is called sanctification. This is where you go from, I don't think I know, to maybe I know, to I know, to wow, I really know, and I've seen it, and I'm walking in it, and now I just live it. Some of us are further along the spectrum than me, most probably, I don't know, but we're all, we're all in our process to walk out who Jesus is in us all the time. Isn't that beautiful? His mercy in being new every morning, he gives me a new chance to walk with him every day. Every day? Every day I can wake up and go, well, what? I totally messed that up. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm with you. I didn't leave you. I won't leave you nor forsake you. We're good. Come on, son. Let's run. But I, but I, no. I wiped it away. It's done. I've clean, I, I cleaned you off. You don't even have to carry the shame of that anymore. I took that on the cross. Hallelujah. Following 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He could have said he was, rec he was reconciling individuals. He could have said he was reconciling some souls. He could have said he was uh, reconciling the frozen chosen. He could have said a lot of things here. No, he says, I'm reconciling the entire world to himself. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Because what? He's not going to impute their trespasses against them. He's not going to hold them to their trespasses. And he's given us the word of reconciliation. See, the Lord wants us to disciple our region and to become a place restored unto its original design, unto the Lord's original design. And to solve these problems that we're dealing with, it's going to take courage. It's going to take hope. It's going to take faith. It's going to take love. Can I just say, it's also going to take our willingness to give ourselves fully to God. Because if we're still fighting for our own ends, if we're still fighting with God over what I want, you, we will not see this region transformed. There is a call for us in this season to lay everything down at the feet of Jesus and to receive your identity as a son of God so you can go change the world. Not just to make your life a little more peaceful. It might not be that much more peaceful. Your eyes will be open to the spiritual battles that are around you. Your eyes will be open to the pain and the heartache. That is not easy and it is not fun. And it causes you to cry out to the Father of lights to shine his light into the darkness. And then he'll whisper in your ear, well, you should go do that. But I thought I could just pray. And he says, no. First and foremost, our own brokenness must be healed. We need to be restored to God individually. And then we need to become those that restore the broken things of this world back to the place God intended for it. Even if we just did these little things, like this place would flip over. If each of us chose to fully give ourselves to the will of God and what he would ask us to do in our lives, instead of arguing and fighting and trying to pray that God would just meet a single need in our life, because most of us, most, most Christians have a relationship with God based solely on need. That's, I don't want that to be us. I don't want to be a people that are just coming to God because I'm broke or because there's heartache or pain in a marriage or with children. Like we bring all of our pain. We bring our suffering. Yes, do that. It is good to do that. But listen, there's a place where we surrender our will unto the fathers. We say, God, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. This is the place where things begin to change. Like if you can allow God to move that in your heart, that you would surrender yourself to God then we, we're going to ask God to do just four things in this region. If we do these four things, if we just can, can go after these four things, we will see a dramatic change in this region. We will see God move like he's never moved before. We will see hearts open to the gospel like they've never been open to before. Can we pray that God would make families whole again? That the brokenness of families would come back and be restored. That marriages would be restored. That sons and daughters would be restored to fathers and mothers. We need to pray that there is a, a highway of purity 
coming to the lives of those who've been abused. I am, I get shocked at the level of abuse that happens in this region. And it's not talked about because families are really good at shutting it up. But those who've been abused, they need a highway to holiness. They need a place where they can be healed and set free from that abuse and trauma that they've, they've received and experienced. There does need to be a righteous justice in this place. Part of that righteous justice of God is that those who've been abused can get their purity back. We need it. We need fresh hope to come to the oppressed and the depressed in this region. I think a lot of, when Pastor Tracy was here one time, we were sitting in the parking lot at Super One Foods after a service. He's a friend of ours in Seattle. And we're sitting there and he goes, hey, you know what's interesting, Chris? I'm like, what? He goes, every single guy I've seen walk out of here has a 12-pack. And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. He goes, they don't know what to do with their emotions. And they've locked themselves up so the only time they can say what's on their mind is after they've had a couple. Interesting. Depressed, oppressed, unable to even say what's actually on their real mind. Isn't that interesting? Father, we need hope for the oppressed and the depressed. I believe that God wants to see physical healing, and we need to pray for this physical healing by those bound by infirmity and disease in this region. I believe that is like these four things. I'm going to repeat them for you, okay? Families to be made whole, purity to come back to the abused, hope to come to the depressed and oppressed, and to see physical healing for those bound by infirmity and disease. I, we have some core verses that have shaped this ministry, and one of them is Isaiah 58, 12, and I want to share that with you. It says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the re- breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Jesus rose from the dead in order to empower us to do that. We're grateful for eternal life. We are grateful that he's wiped away our sin. And today, he's calling you to give yourself fully to him and accept his call to bring restoration to this region. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are here, that you are abundantly moving. I thank you, God, that you are awakening deep things within us this morning. 
God, I thank you that we aren't called here just to get by. We are not sent here just to try and get along with Jesus for the rest of our lives. But Father, you sent Jesus to bring restoration to the world, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring freedom to those who've been held captive. And Father, I'm asking that this, this group of people would choose in their heart of hearts to be transformed by you, to be transformed by you, to be changed in their inner man into a new person. And Father, I am so grateful that you are the God that sent your son to die on the cross so that we might know you and have all of our sins forgiven, to have all of our, all of our pain and suffering wiped off, wiped away at the cross. So we come and first and foremost today, we just say yes to you. Come on, if that is you and you want to make sure that your heart is pure and clean, just give him a yes. Just in your own words, say, yes, God, I give myself fully to you. I give myself fully to you. And Father, I thank you that my yes isn't just for me. My yes to you is not just about me. Forgive me for making my faith all about me. Father, it is about your mission when you came. Jesus, it is about your mission to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't even say those who were lost. He says that which was lost, the whole world. He came for it. Father, I thank you that you've placed us in this region, in this season, to bring light, to bring hope, to bring healing. Father, forgive us for relying on other people to do the work of ministry when you've called us to go do it. I feel like some of you need to begin to pray about who is the man of peace in your life? Who's the person that God's highlighting to you that you need to begin to pray for? That person that God wants in the kingdom that has influence. Who is it? Begin to pray. Father, I thank you that you're giving assignments to individuals on how they are to disciple the nation that they live in. You're giving them assignments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come fill your people. We ask that you would come and fill your people, that we would be filled with power. I feel like there may be some people here this morning that said yes to the Lord just a moment ago for the first time. Or maybe it's been like 20 or 30 years since you connected with God and God's renewing something inside of you. We just bless you. God is with you. There are resources for you. I ask that if that was you this morning, you could just come say hi to me later and let me know that that was you because we want to support you in your walk with Jesus. Some of you feel the weight of changing the region on you. 
You feel the weightiness of it. And if that's you, if you felt, man, I really feel like I am called to do more than come to a church, to do more than just be a good Christian, to do more. Like I'm called into this place, God, where you're saying that, that, that you're giving me power and authority to bust down the gates of hell in some areas. If you felt like that was you and you feel the weight of that, just raise your hand where you're at. I commission each of you with your hand raised. I just commission you to change the region. I feel like God's telling you, take the bull by the horns. Quit staring at it. Go do it. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Keep his word in your mouth. Have your daily encounter and go change the world around you with love and hope and peace. We reject all the tools of the enemy from our lives. We're not going to bring peace through judgment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you're released to go and do and build and and go after the thing that God puts on your heart. Get some people around you to help you. Come talk to me if you need a strategy. Let's do it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that this morning, this this day that we celebrate your resurrection, we celebrate the cleansing and the holiness that you've given us by the blood of your son. And we also thank you that on the third day, he rose from the dead with power, that he made every weapon of the enemy a spectacle, and he's given us all authority. And we thank you, God. We take the authority that you've given us and we say yes to do the things that you've called us to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, will you give God praise this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.